Hey everyone, welcome to part two of our SEC West preview show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. All right, Joe, we left off talking about our Ole Miss Rebels, who we got picked fifth in the SEC West. Let's move on to our number four team in the SEC West. And, and Joe, I feel like there is a lot of gridlock between four and two right here. Now, I really didn't think that it could it could change a lot. I think even the fourth place team that I'm naming probably has the talent to win the SEC West. It's that competitive right now. Uh, and as much as this is going to make uh, my brother Corn Dog Henry upset, I'm going uh, LSU at number four in the SEC West this year. I know we're saying, well, Daniel, they won the national championship last year. I'm aware of that. They had a generational player and a generational offensive coordinator in Joe Burrow and Joe Brady. Uh, the Joes are out of Baton Rouge now. And not only are the Joes out of Baton Rouge, you talk about uh, the Jimmys and the Joes that win national championship. They had a lot of Jimmys and Joes go to the, the draft last year. I believe they had 18 players go try to get either drafted or get free agent deals, including a lot of juniors. So I'm looking at this team, Joe, and it is depleted on both the offensive and the defensive side. No Joe Burrow. No Justin Jefferson. Uh, they don't have Terrence Marshall anymore. Uh, they lose Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, on the defensive side of it, you lose Caleb on Chason. You lose uh, their their all-star safety that was so good. Uh, I mean, it, it just you just go on down the list. And I think they lost uh, Ferguson too. I mean, it's just it's just it's just huge losses for them. And I understand that they recruit very greatly in Baton Rouge, but, I mean, you're having a brand-new team this year with a brand-new offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of changes for LSU this year. I mean, that cannot be ignored or understated at all. Um, I do feel good about a couple of things. Um, I would say that I think Miles Brennan is going to be pretty solid. I remember when he was being recruited, um, a lot of SEC schools were wanting him. Um, he was recruited, I believe, as a four-star guy um, out of the Gulf Coast in Mississippi. Um, I believe St. Stanislaus mm-hmm. High School kind of kept up with yeah, his high Lewis. school career. Yep, yeah, had really good numbers. Um, and then also, I think that the return of Jamar Chase, who won the Blitnikoff Award last year, I think that helps Brennan out a lot as a first-year starter in the SEC. That kind of gets him that comfort zone that target that he can throw to that's going to be reliable and kind of help him uh, navigate some of the uh, more difficult um, early stages in growth and development of his career. But all that being said, you know, let's make no bones about it, I think the loss of Burrow and Brady, like you said, the two Joes, I think that's the most difficult thing, especially Joe Brady. I mean, he just worked wonders with his offense. It was just, he was like magic being around him for the coaching staff, and you take that away with him now being in Carolina, and you just wonder if, you know, they kind of caught lightning in the bottle last year. Obviously, they played fantastic, don't get me wrong. But there was just something about that season. It felt magical. You know, it felt almost more magical than it did dominant at times. And so I feel like, you know, they're in for a a much more difficult season this year. There will be a lot of – um, conference rivals that will just be ready to go out and defeat them. And so I'm kind of looking at LSU with about an 8-4 record this year. 
That's what I'm thinking too, Joe. I mean, they certainly always have the talent to be someone that can play for a national championship or play for the SEC West uh, division title. But it just seems like it's going to be so hard to replace that. And you're right, Joe. As good, as great as Joe Burrow was, and he was fantastic last year, arguably, I think, with Cam Newton, had the greatest college football season of all time. Joe Burrow, Joe Brady's offense is the reason they were able to do that. I mean, it was revolutionary. It really uh, it used all the receivers to a great degree. I mean, he worked wonders for a quarterback that was a slightly better than average quarterback before that. And there's a reason he got an offensive coordinator job in the NFL after one season of being one in college. And so it's just going to be hard for me to see Steve Insminger, who we've seen him be the offensive coordinator at LSU before. He's got a very old school kind of, you know, pro style attack that doesn't really have anything groundbreaking to me. So I just can't imagine having that great of an offense this year with Insminger being the guy as the offensive coordinator. And so I think Miles Brennan is going to be better than people think he is. And I mean, I think he's been there a long time. He, Definitely has the talent, big-time guy coming out of college, uh, coming out of high school at State Stanislaus and Bay St. Louis. But I just don't think that you're going to see the kind of, anywhere near the kind of production that Burrow had, and he's not going to get that hands-on trading that only Joe Brady can give him. Yeah, I mean, you know, Brady, if he was coming back with Miles Brennan, you know, he would suddenly be like, this team might not even really miss a beat. You know, they could – you, you would almost think that on kind of a microcosm level, you know, it could be somewhat of a transition. And a lot of people you know, are going to think this is an exaggeration saying this, and it somewhat is. But you think about how with Oklahoma, mm-hmm. when they had went from Baker Mayfield to Tyler Murray, they really didn't miss a beat. And I think that if you had Joe Brady, like I don't think Miles Brennan would win the Heisman. But I think Joe Brady could get him a 4,000-yard passing season. I really do, especially with Jamar Chase. And you take Joe Brady out of the equation, it's just not the same. No, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what I think, too. I think Joe Brady is one of those rare offensive minds and rare quarterback whispers, like Lincoln Riley, who can take anyone that's presented to him and do well. I mean, it went from Baker, Kyler, both winning the Heisman, Jalen Hurts finishing second in the Heisman, which you can never have imagined the way he played at Alabama. And I think you're right. If you give Joe Brady, Miles Brennan, he could have maybe made him a top 10 Heisman finalist maybe. Uh, but I just don't see Brennan having that great of a year. And looking at LSU's schedule, it's not terrible. Uh, they had Texas at home. That's going to be a big game right there. Uh, they have Florida on the road. That's going to be a sizable game. And then they get, uh, they get Alabama at home. They're on the road at Auburn, and they're on the road at A&M in the season. That's going to be the hardest thing for them. They made Joe get to the last two games with only one or two losses, but I think Auburn and A&M both get them this year. And so I think it's going to be a rough end of November for LSU. And I see them dropping the game at Alabama. I think Texas gets their revenge on LSU in Baton Rouge with the senior starting quarterback and Sam Ellinger coming in to prove something after that game last year with not a lot of experience on the field for LSU. Uh, I think Alabama gets them in a revenge game, and I like Auburn and A&M to beat LSU this year. Okay. I'm going to say they lose to Florida, they lose to Auburn and Alabama, and they lose to A&M. I, do th- I think they'll beat Texas, so I have them going 8-4. Okay. 
All right, Joe. Well, uh, we both got LSU finishing at fourth in the SEC West. And that Florida game will be interesting, too, for, for LSU. I could definitely see them dropping that one. But I'm going to give them the edge on that one just kind of because I think that they're going to have a lot of reasons to want to beat Florida after Florida beat them a couple years ago. And uh, I just think LSU tends to play pretty well in that game. Uh, moving on to the third-place team in the SEC uh, West. A lot of people are really excited about A&M this year. I still don't believe in them getting over the hump and finishing uh, second or first in the SEC West. I got Texas A&M at third. And, and Joe, it's completely possible that A&M, yet again, like LSU, wins the SEC West. They've got a lot of talent. Uh, we're looking at Jimbo Fisher's third season, which generally is the litmus test season for if you're going to be a really great coach at any level of college. Um your third season, at that point, you've got most of your own guys in there. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's been recruiting excellently. There's a lot of off-the-field distractions right now, though. I mean, you have the NCAA probation you just got hit with. People aren't really that excited about the results they've had in the first two years. They're not disappointed, but they're not exuberant over the fact that they're paying this guy $75 million. And no matter what, they're paying him $75 million. And you got, what, a 9-4, uh, and 8-5 and five season to show for it. So we'll see what happens this year. But this is going to be a year where I think Aggie fans, they expect to either win the SEC West or finish second in the SEC West. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Joe, that the pick that, that I have, and I think you're on the same boat as me with us, they're probably going to be pretty disappointed at College Station if they finish third this year. But that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, they definitely will. I mean, you kind of get the feeling that they're going to be like a 9-3 and three or 10-2 and two team. Like, I would actually probably at this point lean towards 10-2 and two, and that they'll beat everybody except for Alabama and Auburn. Um, yeah, I looked at their, their depth chart, Dan, and their roster, and to your point about their potential to win the SEC, I don't think it's far-fetched at all because they have so much experience. When I look at depth charts for teams that I think that can kind of be a surprise team um, in the SEC, I always look for experience on the offensive line, and they're just covered with guys that are seniors, have started three or four, four years um, in multiple positions on defense. They have so many seniors. Kellen Mond is a senior. They have Spiller at running back who's explosive. I mean, this is their golden opportunity to make a run at the SEC West. But what gives me pause for concern is just how crowded, of course, the conference is in seeing Jimbo Fisher prove it to us in the SEC. And then the other reason is just we'll talk about it more in a minute. Alabama returns so many key players that it's just going to be tough to, to overcome that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I think too, Joe. I think that they're still just one year short uh, of being exactly where they want to be at. And you look at it, they really don't have, by SEC West standards, a terrible gauntlet. Uh, you look at their schedule, they're playing Abilene, North Texas, Colorado, which is still an average Pac-12 team, uh, Arkansas, you know, at Jerry World, which, like I said, shouldn't be a tough game, but for some for some reason, Arkansas plays them tough. At Mississippi State, that's a win. Fresno State, that's a win. At Auburn, I would favor Auburn at home right now. Also with the fact that it seems like Auburn kind of has Texas A&M's number right now. You've looked at the last couple of years, 
Two years ago, Auburn won a game they had no business winning in a great fourth uh, quarter comeback. Last year, they destroyed Texas A&M. And I kind of think that there's going to be a lot of confidence for Auburn, especially at home in that one. I like them in that game. Uh, at South Carolina, A&M's going to take care of business. They're going to beat Ole Miss at home. They beat Vandy at home. I don't see them beating Alabama on the road. And I'm with you. I think they close out the season with a big win against LSU. And so, Joe, I mean, they may be disappointed with a third-place finish in the SEC West, but I think it's going to be a third-place finish with a 10-2 and record, which, who knows, if they go 10-2 and and their only losses are to Alabama and Auburn, maybe they could get into a Sugar Bowl-type game if the SEC gets two teams in, or at the very least, like a Capital One Bowl. So I think it's going to be a good year for A&M, but I just don't think it's going to be quite what they want it to be. Yeah, it's kind of like we were talking about earlier, 2011 uh, Arkansas, you know, coming up short against Alabama and LSU, who went on to play in the BCS National Championship game, won by Alabama. You just kind of feel like that A&M's kind of the odd man out this year, and especially having to go on the road to Tuscaloosa. I mean, that just feels like an unwinnable game for them. I mean, maybe, you know, if there aren't as many fans, that kind of levels the plate and fill a little bit, so maybe that's kind of the opening that A&M can hope for. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, I do think this is still a pivotal season for AM because uh, Jimbo Fisher came in with the big name recognition, his resume, and just being able to prove that he can win in the SEC and, you know, compete against Nick Saban and Gus Malzahn and other guys, Coach O now at LSU. I mean, that's, that, that's really important for the trajectory of, of that program. And, Joe, if they do what we said, if they go 10-2 and and lose only to Alabama and Auburn, or if they only lose to Alabama and LSU or some variation of one of those two, and they win one of them and they go 10-2, and I think that'll satisfy A&M fans. I think they'll see that the upper trajectory is there, and there won't be as much heat on them, and it won't, you know, it won't satisfy the most optimistic fans, but I think that gets the job done. But I will say, Joe, that if they go out this season with, like I said, what by SEC West standards is not a difficult schedule, and they drop all the games against Alabama, Auburn, and LSU, there's going to be some very upset people, I think, in College Station. Oh, absolutely. And I think that there would be a lot of people that would be skeptical about if they can't show some semblance of uh, competing with the big boys in 2020 with this senior lane roster, how are you going to do it in years to come? I mean, they're going to have a new quarterback in 2021. Kellen Mond will have exhausted his eligibility, and he's been one of the better quarterbacks they've had there in the years. And so if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it? And so I think that at that point, Jimbo Fisher, you know, he's looking at the huge contract he got, then he's also thinking, you know, as a competitor, you know, I really set myself up to – you know, maybe, I, maybe I'm pretty much in, in an insurmountable situation where, you know, I'm just five men out every year. Yeah, it might be that because this is their chance, and they need to get – they need to be one of those teams, I think, in order to, to see the next step in, in the process. Um, moving the next step up in the SEC West, uh, Joe, I think our number two team is my Auburn Tigers. Uh, they, had, they had a good season last year. Uh, I think – you know, when I was looking at that gauntlet of a schedule they had last year, uh, neutral side game at Oregon, on the road at A&M, on the road at LSU, uh, uh, you know, of course they had, they had to play uh, Alabama at home, Georgia at home, 
you know, just a top five, top ten teams all over the place. I was saying to myself, if they could beat uh, one or two, I think I think one of Alabama, LSU, uh, and Georgia and Oregon, two out of those, I think I'd be happy. And they did that. The only problem I have with the end of last season is Gus Malzahn losing that game to Minnesota. And so I'm kind of interested to see like what the, the you know happens with the offseason. You haven't gotten to work with him as much. And when the last image you have of that season, after after beating beating Oregon, beating Alabama, is going out and losing to uh, row the boat in Minnesota, which was a team that was good, but that you were obviously much more talented than. It's just through the psyche going into the season. But Joe, I will say that the encouraging thing that I saw was the progression of Bo Nix. And what he did as a true freshman, uh, he had a terrible first half against Oregon, and I watched him play a fantastic second half against a really good Oregon team and make the game-winning play in his first-ever start. And then against Alabama, he had a very good game against Alabama and didn't make any mistakes, and he beat an Alabama team that was loaded from top to bottom, and he went into College Station and got a win. And so I think with his second season – and with him having Chad Morris as his offensive coordinator, who is a well-known quarterback whisperer, he had Taj Boyd did really good with him. Uh, he had uh, Garrett Gilbert over at SMU did really good things with him. Uh, I think that you're going to see a lot of improvement out of Bo Nix, and I'm hoping that finally Gus is going to stay away from a quarterback. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing that makes this Auburn team second in the SEC West is really solid quarterback play this year. I think Bo Nix will improve. Um, I don't necessarily see, you know, the sophomore slump struggles coming. I think he's got a very talented roster around him. He's got really good receivers. Of course, Seth Williams is really good. Um, was really good last year. Um, and they recruited well, I think, both at the receiver position, offensive line position recently. Um, for me, Auburn is positioned well as the favorite for 2021. Like, I'll say it right now, I think they'll win the SEC West in 2021. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I mean, Alabama will be slightly weakened that year, losing a lot of talent and seniors now. I think mean, a and going to lose a lot of talent. LSU will still kind of be, you know, recruiting well, but I don't, you know, they don't have Joe Brady. And so I think that everything's set up well for Auburn hosting the Iron Bowl in 2021. This year, I see Auburn um, improving with Bo Nix, but I see them kind of capping off at about – a 10-2 record, I think, that they lose at least one or two games. Yeah, that, that's what I'm seeing too, Joe. I mean, I think they've got a schedule that is much more manageable than it was last year. Uh, and like I said, the, uh, the quarterback one year of experience. The biggest reason that I'm not picking Auburn to be higher than what they are is their offensive line. Uh, they lost basically every one of their starters except for one on the offensive line. And that's going to be a tough thing to replace right there. They're bringing back their starting center, but their starting left tackle, Prince Tegawanoho, who got drafted in the fourth round, he's gone. He was a three-year starter. Uh, they lost two other guys that had started for multiple seasons. And so right now you're going to have a brand-new offensive line outside of the center. And it's going to take them a little bit of time to gel. And with this truncated schedule we have, it's going to be even harder for them to really get that synchronicity you want with the offensive line in a short amount of time. So I see the reason they probably lose two games is because of that offensive line. And 
you know, going through the schedule, uh, you know, they're going to win week one easy. Uh, North Carolina, if it happens in, in Atlanta, uh, they'll win that game. But it'll be interesting to see how well Matt Brown and his boys play against Auburn and that. Um, I think that, you know, really the kind of big games for Auburn this year, I think at Alabama is going to be a loss. But it's to see if they can get over that hump against LSU and Georgia. Because I think it's possible looking at the schedule, they could go 11-1. and And I think an 11-1 Auburn team that only loses to Alabama – might get in the playoff. I think I think they would have an argument to get in the playoff with that. Um, and so I think beating Georgia on the road early in the season and finally beating LSU, which has been some weird games the last couple of years, where a couple of them you kind of thought Auburn should have won, but they didn't, that's going to be the big thing. So I think that looking at Auburn's schedule, you know, that could be as bad as 8-4 if they lost to Georgia, A&M, LSU, and Alabama – but it could all also be up to 11 and one. And so I look at Auburn to uh, go 10 and two and probably drop Georgia and Alabama on the road. Yeah, I think that's a pretty um, accurate assessment. You know, you feel like um, for them, you know, they, they need to realize they have a lot to play for because even if they lose, you know, to Alabama, they still have, a decent chance maybe of making the playoff based on how everything sets up in the other conferences. Yeah. And, and like I said, Joe, I look at the single biggest game of the year for Auburn this year is beating LSU. They've got to do that for the, the future of their program right now because it's starting to get bad with, with the, the way things are going with games where they really should beat LSU and, there, there, there's getting to be a little bit of – I talked about Auburn being an A&M's head, what LSU's and Auburn's head right now. And this is going to be an opportunity where they have more talent, they have them at home, and they have them uh, at a different part of the schedule. So I'm interested to see what happens in that game specifically. But I think if, if it goes 10-2 and two and they drop Georgia and Alabama on the road, I don't have any problem with that. I think that's a good season. And it sets up well for 2021, which you're right. I think that's really kind of – the season where Auburn should have all the expectations. Yeah, right. So, Joe, moving up to the top of the SEC West, I don't think I've ever predicted this, predicted this one before or ever thought about them as being the best of the SEC West, but as much as it pains me, i got to go pick, go pick Bama on this one uh, to get back to the head of the SEC West. Yeah, Dan, I've kind of forgotten – with the pandemic, you know, not really thinking as much about the rosters during the offseason, thinking more about whether or not we're going to play games. I just completely missed the memo on how much talent is returning for Alabama this year. Like a lot of these guys that you would think have gone pro after their junior year return mm-hmm. for their senior season. Like obviously they lost Tua and they lost Judy and they lost Ruggs at wide receiver, but they returned virtually everybody else to get a hope for it. You got Alex Leatherwood at left tackle. You have Jalen Waddle coming back. You have um, Devontae Smith back at receiver. Um, that's a great one-two punch. Um, at that point, to me, it doesn't matter as much who's playing quarterback, whether it's Mac Jones or Bryce Young. I think they'll be fine with that type of talent. In with the offensive line being well anchored. And then running back, returning Najee Harris. Yeah. I never saw that coming up. I'm sure he's going for it. And then that's just an offense – on defense, um, due to Dylan Moses' injury last year, he comes back, surprisingly. And then you have Brian Ray 
I mean, just the list goes on and on with the guys they have returning on the scene. And so, Dan, I really think this is set up kind of quietly for one of Alabama's better rosters under Nick Saban. I think so, too, Joe. Um, the two guys that I was shocked about them coming back was Devontae Smith and Najee Harris. More so Devontae Smith. I could not believe that he didn't go in the draft because he got a first-round draft grade from what I've heard from everyone. Uh, Najee Harris, I kind of thought he would go because right now running backs, if you get a second or a third-round grade, Generally, it's the right idea to go as a junior, but maybe he's getting some word that he can be a first-round guy at the end if he has a good season. And the guy's certainly talented enough to maybe even get up to that first-round level. So that was interesting that he came back, too. But getting Dylan Moses back is massive. Uh, you got to think that with the injury Dylan Moses had last year that, you know, he's probably he's good enough to be a top-five, top-ten guy if he's healthy, and he probably wanted to get – that kind of money he could get from being healthy. So I think that was probably the right decision. But, I mean, you're talking about top 10 level player and middle linebacker. Uh, I think a top 20 player at Smith. I think Waddle may end up being a top 10 dude. And then, you're right, Alex Leatherwood, fantastic offensive lineman from Pensacola, uh, going to be a four-year starter. And it's just uh, it's just all over the place. Patrick Sertan is a very good quarterback. Yeah, and I've heard that he's right now the highest-rated quarterback going into this year's draft. This is a super talented Bama team. And after the way the season ended with uh, getting beat pretty handily by LSU, by getting beaten kind of a crazy game against Auburn, they're going to have a lot of momentum in that game. And they're going to have a lot of momentum going into the next season and a lot of drive, I think. And you look at it, Joe, uh, their schedule next year. Uh, the USC game is not going to happen. So I hate to see that. It would have been nice to have seen what uh, what Clay Helton would have had in store for Alabama to see if he could have you know, even shown up for the game and not missed it uh, or if they didn't get fired beforehand. So I hate that I'm going to see USC and Alabama, great helmet game. Georgia week three, that's a huge game because you know that Kirby Smart, that's the only thing he cares about at this point. He just wants to beat Alabama so bad. You know he's going to bring in all the stops for that one. So that's going to be a fascinating game in the regular season. Uh, you know, outside of that, it's a while before you see anything interesting. Uh, Kent State, that's an easy win. At Ole Miss, I hate to say it, they're going to beat Ole Miss. They're going to beat Ole Miss' eyes in. They're going to beat Arkansas, uh, maybe 80 to nothing. At Tennessee, that could be interesting this year. Tennessee is going to have a much better team. Uh, you know, Joe, there's websites all over the place that count the days since Tennessee beat Alabama. Talk about this is the way the world was the last time uh, Tennessee beat Alabama. Joe, we're talking yeah. 2006. I wasn't even in college the last time Tennessee beat Alabama. There's going to be a lot of hate in Knoxville for that game, and you got to imagine they're going to want that one really bad. So look at that as maybe a place where Alabama could slip off. I'm not picking the upset. I still think Alabama wins that game. But if Tennessee wins that one, I would not be flabbergasted. Uh, LSU on the road, always tough environment in Baton Rouge. I just don't think that LSU's got the experience to get that one done. Uh, A&M at home and Auburn at home. Of course, those are both losable games, but I, I like them. I like them to win at home on that. So, Joe, I definitely see uh, – I see Alabama winning the SEC West. Uh, it's just a question in my mind of whether or not they finish with one loss or no losses. 
Uh, like I said, I think the games they could lose, they could lose to Georgia at home. They could maybe lose to Tennessee on the road, LSU on the road, Auburn at home. I just still don't see Texas A&M beating them, so that, that, that's not one that I see as possible. But I think that Alabama probably loses one game but still wins the SEC West. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the schedule, and like I said, you look at the collection of talent coming back, you really feel like they have, have a great chance to go undefeated. Um, I know that Nick Saban's only done that one time in his tenure as a head coach um, in the 2009 season when they won a national championship over Texas. And the only reason I feel like they would not go undefeated is, um, you know, every other year he's won a national championship, including at LSU, he's always had that one loss. Yeah. And I'm not saying that he wants to, to lose a game, but I do think that there's something about those losses each year that have uniquely galvanized the team and set them up well for the rest of the season. And so, you know, I think that Alabama is probably actually better off if they go in 11-1 into the SEC championship game compared to being unblemished like they were a couple of years ago where Clemson just lit them up in the championship game. Yeah. Joe, I'm going to go ahead and make my upset pick. I think uh, Georgia gets them in week three. And I think, like I said, only because there's that much motivation – on Kirby Smart's, uh, you know, just wall to beat Alabama. I think he's going to get a great game plan together for that. And I think the fact that Alabama is not going to be able to have all their people at home is going to make a difference where it's not going to be as intimidating of a road environment. And so I think I think Georgia's going to be the one team that gets Alabama this year. And Kirby's going to be the first uh, assistant to get that win. And uh, thanks for everyone listening to Dan and Joe's Sports Show. Everything you need to know on Dan and Joe's Sports Show, as always, I'm Dan. You know, Joe.